2: To the legend behind Labamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked
0: in,
3: I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall.
2: Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Hey, this is Buck Sexton, and you're listening to the Tudor Dixon Podcast, part of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Podcast Network.
4: Welcome to the Tudor Dixon podcast I'm Tudor Dixon and I'm so glad you're tuning in today we have a special guest you've probably heard in the news a lot of talk about Hamtramck Michigan maybe a city that you hadn't heard a lot about before and definitely an interesting name but you're hearing that because the mayor of Hamtramck has made a decision that the flag posts the flag posts are going to have American flags POW flags but Issues flags are not going to be up there, so I want to bring him in, Mayor Amir Gallup. Thank you so much for joining me today.
5: Thank you for having me.
4: Absolutely. So this is really, I mean, I know you've gotten a lot of flack. This has been in the news. A lot of folks are talking about this, and they've kind of labeled this as an anti-LGBTQ issue, but it's really not that. And I would say that I want you to kind of set it straight that this is this is just, you are talking about public buildings in the city and being respectful of everyone and making sure that the public buildings are focused on really patriotic flags or POW flags, things like that, correct?
5: That's true. Um, so uh, first, uh, thank you for giving me the opportunity to be uh, Uh, on this show and to talk about this issue and other issues of Hamtramck and to uh, educate people about Hamtramck. We had actually a resolution since 2013, uh, Resolution 102, that uh, give permission to the Human Relations Commission to put the international flags on the main street to represent the international caricature of the city. So recently there were some attempts to put some groups' flags among those international flags, and and that's where the problem started. So the city thought that we just need to be neutral and, and to represent everyone equally because all these groups in this city belongs, they are minorities and they need support in one way or the other. And some of them are subject to discrimination in one way or the other as well. So I need to treat people equally. Everyone is equally important to me. And therefore we passed a resolution to confirm the neutrality of the city toward its residents. We want to be fair to everyone, no discrimination, but at the same time, no preferential treatment to everyone. So we just took our decision not to allow any groups flags and just to allow the American flag, state and city and prisoner of wars flag. That's I think it's fair enough for everyone. And that's only in public spaces. and and city properties.
4: That's what I think people don't understand. This is city property. These are not people's local businesses. You're not dictating what people can do. And it is not to discriminate. It is actually to make sure that no one is discriminated against and no one feels uncomfortable.
5: True. In your private properties, you can do whatever you want. The city actually, you know, if there's any kind of vandalism to stuff in private properties, we stand firm against this, and I denounce any kind of vandalism vandalism against uh, private properties, and and I was clear on it, and I'm strict, and I call uh, people to respect that. Uh, But again, um, I expect people to respect the city orders and resolutions and to uh, abide with it, but the case doesn't look like... uh, they will do some people with respect. well let's talk
4: a little bit about the city because you are a new mayor for hamtramck and you are a muslim mayor in a community that has become increasingly muslim now recently there's been a lot of talk about the muslim community on national television because people have said oh republicans are trying to like horn in on the democrats territory that the muslims belong to democrats And it was interesting from my perspective because running for office, I had a lot of people who said to me, you know, you're a Christian American and that's, you're not going to be able to win over the Muslim community. And so don't even go there. So I'm like giving you the background on when you are running for statewide office as a Republican. That really was true. And then as the campaign went on, we started to connect with our friends in the muslim community and they were like look we believe in policies i mean we're we're obviously putting Our faith aside, but it's our conservative values that we agree on. And I actually got to come in and meet with some of the Muslim leaders in Michigan. And it's a large community. We have 350,000 Muslims in the state of Michigan. This idea that we had to be separated for so long, I think was kind of like this boogeyman out there that was keeping Republicans from sitting down with conservative Muslims and talking about this but really, it is a conservative community. And so when you hear people on national television saying, hey, hands off that community, it's not for Republicans, it really shouldn't be a partisan thing. It should be where your values are, wouldn't you say?
5: True, first, uh, as, a, as a Muslim mayor, I in my city, I serve everybody equally. I don't just serve the Muslims. And I, I try my best to represent everybody equally. Uh, And as a Muslim, I hold my view and I don't represent or talk on behalf of all the Muslims. I know they have different uh, political and uh, ideological views. But I think, yes, like you said, Muslims uh, are conservative. They uh, give um, high value to their faith and their families and their freedom, the three Fs. But I will say they put faith and family first. And... And some people will sacrifice some of their freedoms in order, in order to protect their faith and family uh, structure. Mm. So I have spoken to so many people. They actually, there's some kind of shifting mechanism going on now. And some people are telling us, yes, you are an ally with some minorities. Uh, I personally uh, don't classify myself uh, or. You know, or well, you're not, you have Europe. a
4: nonpartisan election, so you you're not in one of those categories. Right, you yeah. are a nonpartisan mayor, which is a, a really it, that is really nice because you can just serve everyone. And I think that that's what people need to understand is that when you make these decisions about flags on public buildings, it is not for one group or the other. It is for all groups. And again, I want to push back on the people who are saying that this is discriminating, because Private folks can do whatever they want. Private businesses can do whatever they want. But there was a a monologue recently that Jen Psaki put out there kind of claiming that this is a a political issue. So I want to play a little bit of that, and then I want to get your reaction to that. Here it is.
6: So lately, I've been noticing the reemergence of a very old GOP playbook that harkens back to President Richard Nixon's infamous Southern strategy, During his campaign for president in 1968, the Republican Party made a concerted effort to reach white Southerners, who used to vote for Democrats by playing to their fears of African Americans and the civil rights movement. And it worked. By pitting one group of Americans against another, the GOP successfully managed to split off Southern whites from the Democratic Party. Now, decades later, the right wing is reviving that same playbook this time with Muslim Americans and trans people. Hear me out here. The GOP is trying to recruit Muslim Americans, a community that makes up less than 2% of the US population, against another tiny marginalized group of Americans,
4: transgender people. First of all, I would argue that that is not the case, that parents are protecting kids from these ideologies when they're in school and and they're very young. But secondly, how does it feel for her to come out and say that Muslim Americans are a very tiny group and transgender are a very tiny group when in the state of Michigan, Muslim Americans are 350,000 strong and transgender are about 30,000 strong? How does that feel to have that comparison?
5: Uh, Yeah, I don't think it's uh, logical, but um, the fact that... uh... You know, I heard this a lot from other people that there is a coalition and uh, we should protect that coalition. Um, Like I said, Muslims prioritize their faith and families. And I think um, if they are worried about losing those, you know, the Muslim minority, what what are they doing to prevent that shifting mechanism that I call? And I see the catalyst of that shifting mechanism is basically the LGBTQ uh, group. Uh, So um, people are worried about their future of their kids, the future of their kids and uh, their faith. And they see uh, aggressive behaviors, even in the only Muslim majority city in the United States, uh, there's some aggressive behavior going on now, no respect for the majority, no respect for the government and it's, you know, for the law and order. So since I take my office, I only see one obstacle in my way, and it's created by some radical groups in the, you know, I would say in the, in the left wing here, led basically by the former mayor and, and, and uh, the former power structure in my city, supported by high elected officials in the state and other places. So what are they doing to prevent that shift? They do nothing. They, they are actually putting more pressure on us. They are um, sending some elected officials to protest in our city and to threaten us. There
4: Who has come to protest in the city?
5: Well, two weeks ago, there was a protest about 50 people. I mean, I wouldn't say 50. I would say 50 and then another. So that's like 51 people. And
4: the attorney general was there?
5: Yes. So, uh, I mean, there was some sort of support, financial support coming to Hamtramck alleyways and I heard that it was blocked because as a consequence of this resolution that was passed and I heard that from elected officials that's unethical I consider it so they're doing nothing to stop that mechanism the shifting mechanism that's going on so how are I mean if you if you close a door in front of me definitely I'll go to the open door but I wouldn't go alone I'll take thousands of people with me they don't think about that I haven't seen any Person discussing this with me or concern about this, what's going on in the community, in the Muslim community. Uh, So it's just uh, a fact. It's not like somebody is is asking us to um, support them or or change our political stance. It's just naturally happening because of what we see.
4: Let's take a quick commercial break. We'll continue next on the Tudor Dixon podcast.
6: Rappaport's Reality, the reality a of bit. us. We're a figuring bit.
3: out. And <laughs> if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. It, it would have been, Ooh, would have been, the been juicy. The podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn.
6: Listen to Rappaport's Reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me,
3: Michael Rappaport on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.
4: So in the largest budget that the state of Michigan has ever passed, there was money that was supposed to come to Hamtramck after this resolution was passed, that it looks as though that money was cut out of the budget. I know the Attorney General, Dana Nessel, was there and she said that she wasn't there to intimidate. However, if you're there protesting, I mean, that seems as though you're there to intimidate a religious group really this is this is going after a group of people for their faith which is truly protected in this country you are you are your faith is supposed to be something that should not be under attack certainly not by elected officials and i think that we've seen this when it comes to all different faiths in the united states but certainly it's something that the muslim faith has suffered in the past i know that in my campaign i talked to a lot of muslim people and they said you don't understand what it was like for us after 9-11 because it was just brutal the way people treated us and i think that in 20 years a lot has changed but now this seems like that's piling on to already this feeling that you've you've had to fight your for your faith as it is is that would that would you say that's accurate
5: Yes. Uh, I mean, the fact that this is the only Muslim-majority city, not only in the United States, but also in the Western Hemisphere. Any? Oh, in
4: the United States, this is the only
5: Muslim-majority city, yes.
4: Interesting. Yes. Interesting.
5: And all Muslim government. So, obviously, there, there are more conservative people in this community who cares about their faith and the structure of the family. And to use an aggressive uh, implementation of your agenda in this community, where you know that the majority are not supporting you, is is a reason for people to uh, move away from you. So, like I said, since I took the office, I have only seen, um, you know, uh, aggressive behavior and uh, um, attacks from one side only. And after all this. Uh, abuse, I mean, I am not affected by what's called the uh, Stockholm um, syndrome, where you cope with your abusers and you, you know, develop that behavior to kiss their hands. Well, if you are using this with me and discontinue supporting me, why do you think I will continue to support you and stick with you and care about this coalition that you talk about? Uh, And and I I hear this from so many people in my community. I know I don't represent the Muslim community everywhere, but I know that I have so much influence within this community and elsewhere as well. And so many people agree with me. So uh, that's what's happening, basically.
4: I think it's a hard time right now because a lot of people want to say that, you know, we have we have faith in, and our faith teaches us certain things and certain values. And so we want to make sure that The young people, the children in our families are raised with our values, and there's a lot of pressure in the world, no matter what it is, whether it's social media or happening at our schools. There's already a lot of pressure on us as parents today to be super involved in our kids' lives and to make sure that the values that we hold dear as a family continue throughout the next generation But it is, it has been an interesting push in the last few years when we look at what's happening in our public schools. And I know last year we had a lot of folks in the Dearborn community, which was also a lot of Muslim Americans, who had come out and said, wait, wait, wait a minute, we're seeing these books and we don't like these books. But it's not unique to the Muslim community. I was just last weekend in Holland, Michigan, and I had a mom come up to me and she said, you know what? I was so inspired by some of the work that has been done by conservatives over the past few years that I started to research my own child's school. And this, and she was from the West Side. She wasn't actually from Holland, but she was from the West Side of Michigan. And she said, in our middle school, we ended up finding a hundred books that qualify as pornographic books. Now, for people of pretty much all faiths, <laughs> that's just not acceptable to find that in the school. And I would argue that it's also not anti-LGBTQ. It's just not appropriate for children to see that. Is there a way for us to push back on going back to reading, writing, math, history, and a focus on those in our public schools without ruffling the feathers of those people who are in charge on the other side?
5: I think there are ways, yes, of course, if we just, It's a common sense, you just respect each other and just do your own stuff on your private space. Do not impose or you know enforce your values on others. This is a, a blitz that I took. When I took the office, I said, I'm not gonna impose my values on, on others and I expect others to do the same. That's not what's happening now. Everybody is trying to enforce their agenda. Uh, on, uh, on the other communities. And, and it happened even in Hamtramck last year, the, the book issue, but we solved it quickly and those books were withdrawn from.
4: How did you solve it? So it was, just a, it was just as easy as parents going, and I think this is something that is valuable for people to understand. Parents got involved and they went to the school and the school, was it the school that agreed that those were not appropriate? The,
5: the uh, Board of Education uh, listened to us. I mean, here the government, mm-hmm. Actually, took a stance with the parents. That's what that's the difference between Hamtramck and Dearborn. So it was easy. There was so much pressure from the community and from the government on the school board to deal with this. And they themselves admitted that it's not appropriate and say they solved it quickly. And they took those.
4: I think that's a really good story because a lot of people feel like this has to be handled at such a macro level, but what happens in your community, you have a lot of impact on your own community. And and just this message, I mean, your story of running for mayor, tell a little bit about that because I think that's key. Your community had historically been a Polish community. The previous mayor was of a ethnic, Polish, Polish ethnicity, and you went into that race with... I think it was three other Muslims and a Polish woman. So it was like a really a new demographic for for Hamtramck. But that's sort of been the trend. And now you have a fully Muslim government.
5: Yes, I actually, you know, I, I moved from the medical field uh, into politics. Um, I I did my um you know, medical school in in Ross University School of Medicine. Before that, I did my pre-medicine in Wayne State University. And I was working in a clinic here as a healthcare professional for several years. So that's where I built my relationship with the people, serving them in the medical field uh, in a local clinic. So but I was very involved in politics, whether it's local or international. And uh, my uh, social media was uh, Famous for this, so people knew that I will not. Opponent. Yes, my opponent used this um, strat- strategy against me that I'm. I have no experience, and I'm coming from a different field, uh, and I haven't run for a public office before. But I believed in my skills and my. Um,
4: Isn't that the idea of serving? It is, it is.
5: So by naturally, we are public servants in the medical field. So I am just serving in a different way. But the community knew me before i'm also a poet where i used to attend you know gatherings and events and and read some of my poetry so i had the foundation already built and i knew that i would win they told me well three experienced um, opponents against you you're going to be the last one in the primary i was the front runner i was the first one and with the highest vote and so i i that was a, a major shift in the community where to have the first muslim mayor after a hundred years of um, control by the Polish. The Polish community is still an important um, fabric of Hamtramck culture and, and, you know, components, but um, the number, the demographics are, are being changed or uh, have been changed over the past 10 years. Now, I think the the biggest or the largest minority are the Yemenis, they make up to 30%. A lot of them still new immigrants, not, not all of them are, uh, American citizens, Uh, comes number two, the Bengali um, community up to 20% and then others. Um, So when I took the office, there was a deficit of um, multi-million dollars in the budget, and they tried over the past 10 years to solve it with no success. The city fell twice under emergency management. Oh, over wow. the past decade. And so in my first year in office, we fixed that budget that, you know, and now we have surplus. And now for the first year, you know, our, our financial consultant company said, you are good from now until 2028, at least with some surplus. So that's the major change. Another thing, there was no people of color in the city hall. Although this city mm-hmm. have been uh you know, the majority are people of color or immigrants, but there are no people. Almost 95% of the employees in the city hall were of one certain group. I came to office and I diversified the city hall and the boards and commissions. In fact, I put, I kept everybody from the former administration. I kept them in boards and and commission to show my good intention of, of building a united community. I even put the former mayor, in one of the positions in the DDA. But she has been using that authority against me to cause harm. And and that's what just happened yesterday, uh, putting the flag. She was one of them leading that militia to put the flag.
4: So after you put this law into effect just yesterday, this is no longer Pride Month, let me remind everyone, just yesterday they put up an LGBTQ flag. Yes,
5: a big one in one of the city flag polls. And, uh, I was passing by and I saw people, uh, you know, videotaping and taking pictures and uh, some militia gathering around the flagpole. And I uh, I took action. I mean, it, the city took it down within a couple of hours. But uh, to find out who led this process, it was the chair of the human religion, uh the former mayor, a group of politicians that one day they used to lead this city. And now they are acting like a militia. Uh, no responsibility, mm. very irresponsible action, um, no respect for law and order, and, and just show what kind of leadership we have, we had over the past two decades. And that's why the city failed and, and never succeeded over the past two decades.
4: Let's take a quick commercial break. We'll continue next on the Tudor Dixon podcast. You decided, you looked at this and you said, I can do a better job. Even from the medical field, you looked at this and said, I can do a better job. You are an immigrant yourself. I mean, I am assuming that because it doesn't sound like a Michigan accent that I'm hearing. So that's a big deal to come into the country and say, I'm going to run for mayor. Could you just walk us through that process?
5: Yes. So I came to the United States at age 17 after I finished 11th grade uh, in Yemen. I came with almost zero English in the late 90s. Wow. You know, I came alone, my family was back home. So I was the major, the main supporter of my family. I started working in a factory 10 hours a day, but then I decided to go back to school. After one year, uh, I was like, I have to finish high school. And I did, I continued working full time, finished high school, did really good, decided to study medicine. And uh, it's uh, it's kind of long, inspiring story, but overall I have been, I wanted to study politics from day one, but some uh, advisors, including family members told me, you're good in math and science, so don't waste your time studying politics, especially (laughs) in this country, you have no future. A
4: lot of people tell you not to get in politics, (laughs) trust me.
5: (laughs) They told me that in this country, you have no future in politics because I was an immigrant. And so it it stayed as one of my hobbies and, and, you know, I call it the first law to serve people and to just get involved in politics. So after finishing medical school, going through all of that, I went back to just practice what I wanted to do in the beginning. And it was uh, it was a successful journey because I built the foundations, good relationship with the people, with the community, and uh, I gained their trust from the first uh, time to run. I mean, my opponents were some kind of a, a strong uh politicians who had some experience in the government or uh, elsewhere. And uh, uh, I'm just uh, proud of my community and of myself that they chose me over all of those people. And I will not disappoint them. I'm trying my best. I sacrifice so much time because as you know, this this mayor system in, in Hamtramck uh, uh, is almost voluntarily positioned, you know, No.
4: Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and I think that let me be kind of bold here, because I think your story is very interesting. Coming over here at 17 by yourself. This is a story that we hear of folks from Arab American backgrounds or Arab backgrounds coming into the United States. And there has been a narrative of fear around that. Why are they coming by themselves? Why is it a young 17 year old man? And you came here with intentions to have a great life here, and you've done amazing things. So for the people out there who are saying, why, why come alone? Can you just kind of put those fears to rest and, and explain why? Why did you come alone? And what what it what drove you to, to this love of public service?
5: Well, uh, as you know, everyone dream about coming to America. This is the land of opportunity where all the doors are wide open to you know, for you to be whatever you want to be. Uh, my, my father used to be here uh, a long time ago, and then when he decided to stay, you know, to retire and stay home, he, he sent me as the first and oldest of his uh, sons to take care of the family and provide replace him, actually, to provide the family with, uh, you know, source of income. So that was the main goal for me to come and just work. It wasn't to go to school or as a student, but I had I was a good student back home. So it was uh, uh, sad for me not to be able to finish high school back home. And that's why I went back to study and and this is the land of opportunity. You can study and you can go to school. If you do well, you don't need anybody to support you. You can support yourself. It was a difficult journey without family or social support. But I think, i mean it is like you said it's an an inspiring for others that you can do whatever you want in this country and it shows a lot of strength and resilience when you are alone or you know you don't feel uh don't let your english or your accent or your background discourage you from uh, being whoever you want to be and to be you know serving the community Uh, what is more american than diving into the local government and serving the people i mean that's the best thing you can do it's a you know it's a very challenging thing but uh i i have the passion to do i'm not i I know i'm under so much attack there's so much pressure there's uh, a lot of things going on uh, on the social media on you know lawsuits everything but it's okay. I I have so much confidence that I can do it. We are not doing anything wrong. We are not discriminating. We are not violating any laws. I have the support of the community and I will run again and I will win this election, the next election for sure.
4: There's something to be said for young people having to take a challenge like that. And I think oftentimes American youth today have never had that experience where they've really had to go out on their own and, and struggle. And you are... The true American dream. So, coming here at seventeen, becoming mayor, taking a city from debt to to influx it and at and surplus. It's a really incredible story, and I'm I'm just so happy that you came and shared that. I know that this story about the flags and and all of that has kind of blown up, but I wanted to share the story of who Mayor Amir Gallup of Hamtramck is. And I'm so glad that you were willing to share that with us because I do think that this kind of opens the hearts of people back to what America's really about. And that is people coming here and being able to see those streets paved with gold, right?
5: Yes. Yes, thank you. And, and so w- with all what you hear on the media, we still have a very welcoming community in Hamtramck, very diverse. It's probably the most diverse city in the state of Michigan. It is also the most walkable city. There's an article that it is recently, it was classified as the, the city with the fastest growth in population and in uh, businesses. So the population grew by 29% over the past 10 years. And it's, it's even more because I know a lot of people, the census wasn't accurate. There were a lot of problems with that. But uh, this city is very safe, very peaceful. People here are very peaceful. They don't want problems. They just want to live, do their thing, work, produce. People are very productive in this community. And so the city is moving forward and uh, is welcoming. I mean, we welcome everybody. And with the city, uh, government is here to serve everyone equally, like I said. And everyone everyone is equally important to us.
4: I think that's the most important message, is that everyone is welcome. And despite the fact that you'll hear people saying that's not the truth, you heard it here from the mayor himself. Everyone is welcome. They want to make sure that on their city buildings, they are being respectful of everyone in the community. And I can't think of a better message than that right now. I just, I think it's amazing. It's a great Michigan story. Of course, I love it because it's a great Michigan story. And I loved hearing your story of just, overcoming and becoming something incredible for your community. Mayor Gallup, thank you so much for being here today.
5: Thank you so much for having
4: me. I appreciate it. And thank you all for joining me on the Tudor Dixon podcast for this episode and others. Go to tutordixonpodcast.com. You can subscribe right on the website or check out iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And make sure you join us the next time on the Tudor Dixon podcast. Thank you so much.